Hey gang, welcome once again to the Gill Athletics Connections podcast, where we bring you the stories of track coaches from around the world. I am your host, Mike Cunningham, and it is my honor and privilege to bring you the stories of these men and women. Whether this is your first listen, or maybe you've gone through all of them uh, and listened to every one of the podcasts we've done, I think you'll really appreciate this week's guest, Mr. Dave Anderson of Bentonville West High School. Dave is uh, officially our first high school track and field coach that we've had here. Uh, Again, want to bring you coaches and people of track and world throughout the different aspects that we have here. And so it was great to talk to a veteran, a 39-year veteran of high school track and field coaching. Uh, We get into how he got into coaching, uh, his athletic background, which was super fascinating, and what it's like to be a high school coach today versus 39 years ago. Uh, And then, of course, uh, we talk about the coronavirus and what it has done for the high school side uh, we forget sometimes that it, you know, it affects many, many levels of, um, of track and field and people in our society and our um, network. And so it was great to get his background on what uh, it's doing for him. So please help me welcome the wise, the wonderful Dave Anderson. Dave, can you Am hear I- me? I can all right, we got the technical difficulties out of the way early. <laughs> it was those, it was those trees, and mountains in northwest Arkansas that were blocking. <laughs> and that's it. Well, thanks for joining me here on the Gale Athletics Connections podcast. Uh, we just jump right into it. Uh, we were talking before we hit the record button. Uh, you've been coaching track and field for thirty nine years. Yeah, how about that? That is amazing. Well, it's it's been it's certainly been a journey and a pleasurable one at that. And uh, you know, my wife, kids that I'll probably be coaching in uh, when they finally finally shoot that final gun, I'll be out there on the track somewhere. <laughs> that's going to be the end. Of it. That's it. Yeah, you're you're one of the guys. I'm not sure you would know what to do with yourself if you weren't doing something with track and field, whether it was coaching high school, uh, going to a coach's ed, uh, middle school, or something. Yep. Yep. In fact, I'm sitting here twiddling my thumb waiting for this Corona thing to pass. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's certainly frustrating not to be able to at some at some point in the afternoon to be able to get out and, uh, you know, pour into kids. So, yeah, when I first got to Gill, you know, I coached for 10 years before that every day around two o'clock. I used to get this itch. I'm like, I'm supposed to be going outside. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I can't imagine now because you know there is no nothing two o'clock ten o'clock it don't matter you ain't going outside to to coach uh, athletes right now unfortunately yeah whole whole lot of text whole lot of texting going on dude that's it that's it so dave uh talk to me let's work from the beginning up till today so 39 years how did were you were you a track athlete yourself in college or high school How, how did track start for you yeah yeah it's a crazy crazy beginning i was a basketballer uh, and had a lot of success as a as a sophomore and a junior. My dad was a military guy, and uh, when he decided to retire, <clears throat> we moved back to a school that was not very good in basketball. And uh, you know, I was I was trained in training, so to speak, on my own, running back and forth to the courts with my basketball. And uh, fortunately, there was a there was a track coach at, at the local high school that saw me, you know, run the two or three miles to get to the courts play all day, dribble all the way back home because I didn't have a car. Hmm. And uh, after basketball season was over, he just grabbed me and said, hey, dude, you're, you're coming out for track. So, <laughs> yeah, as unauspicious so as that is, that was the beginning. Yeah, this was your junior, senior year? No, this was my senior year. Uh, senior year, okay, yeah, wow. We had moved from Nebraska back to Louisiana. My mother, uh, okay. Louisiana native, and uh, to be a little closer to her side of the family, that's uh, that was the family decision at the time, and you know, things happen for a reason and, and Absolutely. you know, here I am 39 years later, a track guy. Yeah. So what, what events did he have you doing? Well, he didn't really know. Uh, in fact, <laughs> you know, I, I was explaining somebody uh, not too long ago uh, how my start is like, you know, basketball was over. It's, it was March and uh, the weather was pretty bad outside. And since he talked me into, into coming out for track, uh, when we showed it to the first couple of practices, it was raining outside, so we went in the gym. He put up a chair in each of the four corners of the gym, 
and he would pick three or four guys, you know, to uh, line up. You're going to run four laps around the, the chairs and the first one back wins. And okay. And on, after about two laps, I would, I would start passing the sprinters and he figured out that I was probably a middle distance to a distance guy. And, okay. and, uh, yeah, three months, three months later, I, you know, I ran fast enough to qualify to the state meet, set the school record and, and then the rest is history. Is that right? That's a, hey, and you know, Louisiana is not exactly the easiest state. I don't know about back then, but you know, Louisiana is a heck of a state to recruit. Uh, it's not the easiest thing in the world to make it to the state meet. So within one season uh, and coming off of basketball, which, you know, basketball is probably one of the better sports you want a kid playing if you're going to recruit him to the track team. They're always running and jump in and, yeah. <laughs> and accelerate. Yeah. You, uh, you set your school record and qualified for the state meet in the half mile? In the two mile. In the two mile. Two mile. Yeah. Wow. Which was crazy because uh, when he first told me that he would like me to try that, I didn't even know how many laps that was. <laughs> and he was just like, I'll tell you what, we're going to this meet in about three weeks. And all you got to do is just hang behind the guys that, that I'm going to point out to you later, okay. later found out it was like six guys that had qualified at the state meet the year before. Right. He's like, just, just hang behind these guys until I tell you to go. And, and, uh, and that's kind of the way the first race went off, uh, about 300 meters to go. He's on the back stretch it's on a cinder track back in the seventies. Mm-hmm. He just leans out and says, okay, you can go now. And pow, <laughs> went, went to, the, went to the front, won the race. And, and, uh, then, you know, the fire was lit. So, you won your very first race. Uh, yeah, I didn't lose for like the first eight races. So, holy cow! I was gonna say it's all downhill from there, but man, your first eight in a row. Holy yeah. cow! Well, credit credit to Coach Burton for talent identification. So uh, he knew <laughs> yeah. he could say certain things to me and and get me to do certain things to, and he plugged me into the proper event for my personality. So, absolutely. So, did you go into college after that, or I did. Uh, okay, I ended up uh, ended up going to a small school to begin with uh, because. Uh, they had the most scholarship. I had no clue what mm-hmm. I was doing, you know, uh, walking through that part of it. But uh, my my college career ended up in Monroe, Louisiana, uh, what was formerly known as Northeast Louisiana University, currently the University right. of Louisiana Monroe, uh, and uh, and just had the best uh, college career and finished, you know, that a guy could ask for, coming off of you know not having ever, you know, I didn't really have any experience going into my senior year in high school track i'll tell you that's a great example of you know in today's world we're very cautious and um uh, uh about these kids that are doing track all year round or basketball all year round or you know any one sport all year round that's a great story of a, a kid who was just uh, well-rounded played basketball obviously had talent in track and when you you finally did get your shot in track you nothing was taken from you because you didn't do track year round. You still had a great high school senior year, got to go to college and have a great college uh, career and experience. That's, that's a really, that's really awesome. Yeah. You know, well, you know, I, I tell this to my kids uh, all the time and through my, uh, my coaching career uh, run into similar scenarios, you know, kids, you know, specialize, especially in this day and time Uh, they specialize and they think they're a football player or they think they're a basketball Mm -hmm. player and, they're a pretty, pretty good athlete and, you know, they stick with that sport and go through the grind of their chosen sport for four years. And when their senior year and that sport's done, um, I con them into coming out for track and they wind up going to the state meet and scoring and, and end up running collegiate track. And I can, there's many, many examples of that uh, wow. over the course of 39 years, but that uh, yeah, happens, man. So when you were in college at uh, now UL Monroe, uh, were you an education major? Did you want to be a teacher? Did you know you wanted to be a coach or when did that start? Oh yeah, that's a great question. No, actually I was an English, uh, major. Um, mm-hmm. I'm fortunate all through my, um, education growing up, I had great, um, teachers and they encouraged me to write. And I have, I've written quite a few things and, and, um, not just technical things, but, um, you know, some, some other stuff. And so I, because of their direction, I, I chose uh, journalism as a major, but, and it didn't take me very long. Um, it didn't take me very long at the collegiate level to understand that uh, if I had an English minor and majored in PE, that I could get a job pretty easily. And uh, mm-hmm. one of the, one of the big things that, uh, 
that I got from reading your, your intro to your blog was, you know, the things that people do to get into coaching. Mm -hmm. My my big motivator was to pay back what was done for me. Oh, you know, I had, you know, great leadership and, um, always wanted to repay that debt of, you know, involving me in the sport. So, um, yeah, it was, it was just, uh, you know, one thing led to another. And once I got into, um, the academic part of college and I had already, you know, I'd already done the edu- the English part of the education, uh, getting certified in PE and then, and then learning how to teach and coach that, that all those things just kind of fell in place. Did uh, you, you mentioned paying back? So you mentioned your senior year high school track coach. Was there any other coaches that just really stuck out to you that you're like, man, I want to be like like that guy? Oh, most definitely. Um, yeah, Coach Jerry Burton um, was my high school coach, mm-hmm. and he has a stadium named after him, Shreveport, Louisiana. And oh, yeah. wow! And then uh, you know when I went to Northeast uh, Hall of Famer by the name of Bob Grossclose. Uh, he was the head coach at Northeast and Mm -hmm. he, um, man, he was such, such a influential person, you know, as far as like, uh, framing my, um, coaching style. And, uh, he was, he was the king of the second chance and Hmm. he, uh, yeah, he taught me a lot of things about taking chances on kids and coaching styles and things like that. Boy, I think we're all grateful for, coaches and parents and other teachers that uh, have a second chance mentality. I, I know I would be in a little bit of trouble if I didn't have those type of people in my life. No, no doubt. <laughs> I, think that goes, I think it goes a long way. Yeah. Is that a major part of what you took from them as you coached through 39 years of, you know, not giving up on a kid and second chances, or was there other things that you really kind of grabbed onto? Uh, no, I think that, I think that was, you know, one of the big things, um, like I said, you know, I, I would get kids that were finished with other sports and thought they were done with, with athletics and, you know, gave them a chance at something other than their chosen sport. And then, uh, been very, very fortunate to have uh, some really close friends that are pretty high up in the profession. Uh, mm-hmm. Number one comes to mind is a good friend of mine named Boo Sheck Snyder, who's oh, probably yeah. one of the most uh, widely respected in the world. Um, he and I had started coaching in high school at the, at the same time. And, um, you know, he's, he's gone on to so many, um, so many different levels of, of pouring into coaches and, He's, you know, the head of our coaches ed USTF CCCA and mm-hmm. he teaches uh, internationally. And um, the fact that, you know, I've probably been in the fishing boat with him at Grand Isle as many times as, as anybody else. <laughs> and we would do prompt I... coaching sessions on the beach and in the camp and things like that. I, I feel so fortunate to have grown up around people like him. I can't imagine fishing with boo and i mean that in a positive way because uh uh, my own college coaching career before i came to gill was heavily impacted uh by him and his teaching and his uh and really his style of teaching you know he is uh there's some amazing coaches out there uh, and i've told this story a million times you know there's some amazing coaches out there but there's you know uh about five to me that are just another notch above and boo is certainly one of those five and not only because of his knowledge and depth of knowledge and really all events too, by the way, he gets very oh, yeah. pigeonholed sometimes in jumps, but it's like, uh, no, this guy can coach sprints, vault distance. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's the strength and conditioning coach at LSU now. So, uh, you know, he is just, uh, he, he understands the body and how to improve it. So, uh, but he can teach it to a guy like me who, you know, um, nowhere on his level and biomechanics and biology and physiology. And I actually understood, 90% of what he, of how he taught. It was just, just amazing. Really, honestly, amazing. He is. Yeah. He's, he's one of the most intelligent people I've ever been around. Uh, you know, he, a lot of people don't know, but he's a master carpenter. He built his own house there in St. James. And uh, he did, I think huh. he did everything, but pour the foundation, he did the electrical and you know, all these. <laughs> so yeah, he's just, uh, I did not yeah, know a highly that. intelligent person. And I, and like yeah. you say, uh, I think he's probably the best teacher uh, of anybody that I've ever been around. And, you know, when you're around people like that, you know, hopefully it rubs off on you. And uh, I take, I take a lot of, I take a lot of what I've learned from just being his friend and being around him um, and try to emulate that in my coaching style as well. Yeah. If you could get 
and I know you would agree with this. If you could get 50% as good as him, you are gold. Oh, they're, they're, oh, they're so, down. <laughs> so you finish up your career at UL Monroe and uh, did you go into graduate assistant work or what did you do? Did you go immediately into teaching? Yeah, it was kind of crazy right there at the end of my undergraduate, there was a local kid at a little private Catholic school that was about a sophomore and he and I were out running road races together and, I, you know, one day I just walked up to him and said, hey, dude, do you, do you have a coach? Is anybody working with you or whatever? He's like, no. I said, okay, well, you do now. And uh, so <laughs> that was that was kind of my uh, kind of my intro to, to coaching, a guy named Randy Benson, who ended up running at Wake Forest. Um, you know, he's a he's an award-winning documentarist, teaches uh, film at uh, there in North Carolina. He and I, yeah, wow. we're still friends pretty close friends to this day. And uh, that was kind of my intro to, to coaching, so to speak. I think it was more, we, we were more mm-hmm. training partners than anything else. And right. uh, that was, that was my intro. And then after a couple of years of, of just bouncing around the local scene, uh, I decided to go back and get my master's degree and <clears throat> coach gross close and coach Grohl offered me a graduate assistantship there at Northeast. And uh, I got to work with a pretty outstanding group of uh, distance runners. Um, I coached distance at the time. Uh, they're they're mm-hmm. at Northeast, and that that's just kind of how it took off. And what did you get your grad work um, master's? Uh, administration degree? and supervision. Um, you know, I, I never mm-hmm. really envisioned myself to be an administrator. Uh, I just kept looking at the pay scale and thinking, you know, about fifteen <laughs> years from now, this is going to pay off. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I graduated graduated administration and supervision from Northeast, and and then when I got into teaching and coaching. Um, you know, obviously that paid off later on down the road financially, a little mm-hmm. bit anyway. <laughs> right. As much as yeah. you can as a coach and even a high school teacher for crying out loud. Yeah. And what, uh, what high school did you start at? Uh, I started at St. Frederick's Catholic school there in Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, really, mm-hmm. really small. Uh, I think it might've been the smallest classification, um, in Louisiana at the time, but yeah, it was, um, and no, no cross country, track program so to speak and i basically served as a volunteer for two years while randy was running there and um i just kind of show up grab five or six kids in the afternoon we'd go for a run and um that's just kind of how it started man and what happened after that uh when i went back to grad school at northeast i stayed two years uh i had a kid named russell mangum in my group that ended up qualifying to the ncaa in the 800 it's more known to be a miler. He ran one, uh, 342 in the 1500, but he ran 148.8. Wow. Another kid, yeah, wow. another kid named Doug Glover that ran uh, just under one, uh, one minute and 49 seconds. So we had two under 149 in that same group. Uh, wow. They end up running 721 at the Texas Relays. I think they finished third behind Arkansas. And, and I, can't, I can't remember who the, the other team was. We ran pretty right. fast. I think the school record still stands on that. And, Wow! Yeah, yeah. That's pretty fast. I think we set every school record from 800 to 10,000 meters on the men's side, and women's track at that time was just kind of taking off. And we had a couple of girls that ran pretty fast right. in there too. So, just really fortunate to be. Yeah, this probably. Time. Yeah. Yeah, this time probably predated uh, women's NCAA. I'm not sure when that started. It was AIA or AIW before. Yeah, that, I think. in fact, I think that uh, I think that at Northeast we had just started women's track whenever whenever hmm. I was a, a graduate assistant there. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so you get your degree and then go on to. Yeah. I coached locally. I went to, uh, I went to okay. a, um, a small, a smaller school there on the South side of Monroe Wasman uh, coached nothing but field events and 800 up. It was my first, you know, first time dipping my toes in that, in that water. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I had a seven foot high jumper. Um, had a couple of couple of kids run pretty fast in the four and the eight. Um, yeah, so I stayed locally for about the next uh, five or six years, um, and uh, you know, still trying to pursue a running career myself. So, um, oh, yeah, is that right? Balance that and coaching at the same time. You know, yeah. It just gets to be a point where. Uh, you got to make a choice. You're either going to pour all your energies into what you're doing or what they're doing. And um, yeah, so I ended up choosing coaching instead of uh, competing. 
what were you doing as a competitor? Were you lots, like, as road races or road, were you trying yeah, track lots races? Yeah, road well? races, a few track races in there. I was mm-hmm. trying to make it to the uh, on trials. Uh, yeah, yeah, when the cutoff was 222, I ran 224. So I, I spent about three years. Is that right? I spent about three years chasing that that number and just, just fell a little bit short. I say this almost every podcast, you know, almost everybody, especially up to this point that I've interviewed, I know in some form or fashion, either some I know really well or some like you, you know, you and I have known each other for years and have uh, talked about different things and done some business together. I did not know you were a 224 marathoner. Yeah. <laughs> Holy yeah. cow. Well, you know, I have the claim to fame of lining up behind the uh, eventual winner at the uh, Peachtree Road Race two summers in a row. Um, it was, That's a big yeah, it was 25,000 at the time we ran, which was the largest, the largest <laughs> in the U S and so I, you know, we had a seated number based on your entry and, uh, right. the way it works is they pull a rope across the road and they wait, they line everybody up. And the, uh, I think, I think you had to be in the top 500 to have a seated number and you could warm up right there to the last minute. And I waited to the very last minute and got in the second row. And lined up behind the eventual winner two years in a row. Wow. But I also got beat by the first woman uh, across the line two years in a row. So. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah. So, Holy yeah. cow. Man, that's amazing. And uh, something else you said that I thought was interesting. Uh, we should explore this a little bit. So, you know, obviously, you know, distance is your background there and, and obviously – your own self, your own athleticism is in uh, distance. But you said you were coaching field events at, uh, did you say Wassum High School? Wasson, I think it was. Yeah, sure did. Uh, yeah. What, how did you learn? Like, like, what, you know, most people, most distance runners, I'm going to do a big um, swath of everybody here, which is totally unfair, but most distance runners are not going to coach high jump and other field events. How did you get into that? Were you scared or would you, how'd you yeah, learn well, it? You know, I, yeah, tentative to say the least. Uh, but mm-hmm. the thing is, you know, we had just abundance of athletic talent and, you know, being one of those guys like, Hey, I want this guy to be good at what he, what he does. So I started reaching out to resources, you know, locally, uh, there were some good coaches at the university that I could go over and, and ask a, a thousand mm-hmm. questions to about technique. And I started developing my coaching eye. Uh, you know, and, and trying to learn some of those events at an early, I'm sure I screwed up a lot of young athletes technically in those <laughs> early stages, but it wasn't through lack of effort. I'll tell you that. Hey, if any coach is listening to this right now that has an ounce of humility, they all understand <laughs> that statement of, oh man, I yeah. screwed up so many athletes to begin yeah. with. <laughs> it immediately makes me think of uh, when I first started coaching, it was in high school level and I, I, I reached back out to them. Actually, it was probably after I had boo for level two, I reached back out to him and was like, Hey man, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> like I had, what was I thinking? I'm, yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. In fact, it, I was, I went to uh, peanut harms invited me to speak at the super clinic out in Sacramento yeah. back in, in the early part of the year. And, that was one of the things, yeah, you look as a, as an invited uh, speaker, you stand up there and you're looking out in the audience and they're all baby faced. And mm-hmm. one of the questions I posed to him was like, anybody in here born uh, after 1980 and a bunch of hands went up. Like, oh, okay. So I've been coaching yeah. longer than you've been alive, which tells uh... me one of two things. <laughs> uh, I've screwed up more people. Uh, <laughs> then you've been, had the opportunity to screw up in your coaching career and number two i've tried to correct most of those mistakes so <laughs> and that's that's all part of it. it it is a it is you know and i'm going to get into this i'm going to backtrack into this I was, I was going to say it is an amazing time to be a coach uh because you have this wonderful tool called youtube so you can almost get anything on video yeah. on demand now uh, but also it's much easier to reach out to uh, coaches. The, you know, there's now two great coaches ed uh, programs with USATF and USTFCA. I was going to ask you, you said you started reaching out to coaches and you mentioned your local coaches and you started building your coach's eye and your kind of also sounds like you're building your coaching peer network at that point. What, what was it like to try to reach out to someone back then? There's no text messaging or emails. So what no, did you, you just do? showed up, man? Uh, he just showed up like, you know, it was, it's, hmm. uh, Boo and I shared this kind of the humorous story, not, you know, a few years ago when he was coaching at St. James, which, you know, short drive to the Baton Rouge to the LSU campus, he would just drive up 
and be at the gate when Dan Paff would unlock the gate and stay in his hip pocket all day long and, uh, and then, you know, just, just watch. Wow. Uh, well, I had a similar path, but it took me three and a half hours to drive from Monroe or Ruskin <laughs> to get there. And I would do it like four or five times a year. And uh, I would just, I would be there when he got there first thing in the morning. Coach Dan was, you know, one of those taskmasters. He, he would coach all day long and well, well into the evening. Right. I would just stay for as long as I could, observe as much as I could, write down questions, uh, and then drive the, you know, three and a half hours home. And then, you know, wow. maybe a week would pass by and I'd call him and I would say, okay, so I remember – uh, when you were coaching this guy, you were doing this, that, and the other. Why did you put this with that? And, and, and Boo and I laugh mm-hmm. about this all the time. And instead of coming back with an answer, he would come back with like three questions. And so it mm. was just at an early part of my career, you used to frustrate and I was like, no, I want the freaking answer, Dan. And he'd be like, right. Well, <laughs> the, 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 the tool that he was giving me at the time was, you know, the answer. You just got to, you got to dig a little deeper to get the answer. You you already know what it is. Yeah, work it yeah. out. And so just yeah. really, really fortunate to be around people like he and, and Pat Henry and, right. you know, the, all the coaches throughout the, the years, you know, been some really great, great coaches come through the LSU, uh, LSU program. And being, being a Louisiana oh, yeah. high school guy, I had, I had, you know, unlimited exposure to those cats. What other opportunities were there? Uh, I don't, think there was coaches ed back then uh were there books or uh vhs tapes oh, yeah. the resources all, all of that, might you yeah. had back then? the vhs tapes the vhs <coughs> tapes and uh you know track track and field news track and field technique uh, mm. yeah. oh yeah track we, techniques. we, we used yeah. to read a lot of stuff so um yeah mm-hmm. and then you know just uh when when usatf came out with uh coaches ed um man i might have got in on one of the first two or three classes that went through there uh took hmm. when i went when i went to level two it was in colorado springs i had gary wilson gary wilson mm-hmm. as my instructor yeah, couldn't oh, have yeah. looked out any better than that you know uh lou doozing so i mean i 91 92 93 94 around in there um that was kind of my inception into the coach's ed part of it and uh, mm-hmm. and I can I continued to to do that sort of stuff. I went to Chicago two two summers ago to do the multi event thing um, there on the campus mm. of Loyola. So you know, just always trying to learn, man. As I say, you you're definitely coming off as a lifelong learner. Even today, at 39 years coaching, you're still seeking out coaches ed programs and uh, other people to bounce ideas and thoughts oh, off. Oh, of. no doubt, no doubt. You know, because there's always you know, there's always uh, always something you can learn, and there's always some kid out there that could benefit from some tidbit of knowledge that you've been able to come across, you know, just by observing or asking and showing up, you know. Mm-hmm. So where did you go after uh, the Monroe area? Again, I forget the name of the high school. W- Wasman? Wasman, yeah. I, yeah. Wasman, yeah. Where I was after four that? four years at Neville High School in Monroe. Uh, I coached the legendary uh, Lyles Lashley at that point in time when he was in high school. Uh, Is that yeah. right? Yeah, he was the captain of my very first state championship team. So, uh, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a he's, he's yes. a legend in the state of Kansas right now. I think he's the president of the Kansas Coaches Association. Uh, well, deservedly so. You know, I met Lyles a long time ago when he, I think when he was at Barton and I was at Neosho is when I first yeah. met him. Uh, but boy, another just good guy in this sport that uh, I'm not sure a lot of people, you know, nationally knows him uh, and should. He's a, he's a great resource. Yeah. Golly. Yeah. He's one of the most, most humble, uh, smartest, most humble people you ever be around. So yeah. I, I coached Neville for four wow. years and then, uh, 30 miles down the road, there's a place called Ruston, Louisiana. They came along and offered me a job. Mm-hmm. And I spent 20 great years over there. Um, and, uh, yeah. And you're teaching at each of these spots yeah. as well, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Yeah. are you teaching the same subject each time or are you get a little No, they a little actually, bit? they found a, well, they, they, you know, there's always a PE class involved, but they found a couple mm-hmm. of subjects that I couldn't screw up too bad. So they put me in. <laughs> they put me in a couple of social studies classes, and uh, then I taught um, remedial reading for a couple of years. 
Um, and then uh, also taught, you know, like freshman English and senior English for a couple of years because I had that journalism background. So I had all those English courses. Mm-hmm. Real, real easy to find a job as a coach if you can uh, you can convince them that you could also not screw up an English class. <laughs> all right. So uh, you're teaching students and then you're coaching student athletes throughout this time. You said you spent 20 years yeah. at Ruston, correct? 20 years. Yeah. What similarities did you see in teaching someone, whether it's English or um, some type of, uh, whether it's remedial reading or a journalism type of class and that same parallel to teaching a kid how to sure. hurdle or how to put in the miles? Are there any similarities? Oh, no, there? I think it's, it's a direct correlation. In fact, uh, you know, if, uh, well, I mean, coaching is teaching, right? I mean, you got to figure out a way to reach mm-hmm. that kid that understands what he understands and then express it in a way that you understand and make a connection. So um, it's same, same thing in the classroom. You know, that kid that's sitting in the back, he's sitting in the back for a reason. Um, and, or, or he's sitting on the front mm. row for a reason. So, you know, you make these connections on, meet them, and you meet them where they are and, uh, you know, just try to, to develop their understanding of whatever it is you're trying to teach them, whether it be freshman English and you're talking about subject verb agreement or, um, you know, if you're talking about a beginning hurdler or pole vaulter or javelin thrower or whatever, it's just coaching is teaching and teaching is coaching. So I think it's a direct. You gave a lot of people, you gave a lot of people flashbacks, not positive ones when you said subject verb (laughs) agreement. Uh, if you start diagramming sentences, I'm going to yeah. cut this short because that's where I uh, lost it yeah. with English class was when we started diagramming yeah. sentences. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, so 20 years at Ruston, that's a long time in its own. What uh, what memories do you have of, of that? Oh, man, so so many great memories. Uh, you know, we uh, basically walked into a situation that didn't have – they didn't have a cross-country team. Uh point at the state track meet since 1978 i showed up on campus in 1991 um during that time they had four state championships in football one of them was a national championship they won a basketball championship they won a golf championship but they didn't really they didn't really have anything going on in track and field and uh the first year that i was there i only had six kids out for cross country on the boys side and we finished fifth at the state meet in, in the highest class, and we were not uh, – our enrollment wow. was not that large. And, uh, and then in the springtime, um, we ended up winning the state title in, in track and field and followed, followed up the, oh. the next fall by winning the first ever state championship in cross country in the history of the school. So. Oh. And that was right off the bat? You said you got there in 91. This was 91 so, yeah, and within, 92? Within 18 months, we won two, two titles. Holy cow. Yeah, so it, it was, uh, and from there, you know, it just so, so many great things happened. Uh, had five national champions, a bunch of All-Americans, kids going on to college, and um, yeah, so just, in, it, you know, just incredible stuff happened. And you were there 91 through about 2010? Yeah. 2011. What changes did you see uh, 20 years in one school, what did you see with success right off the bat, by the way? That's that's awesome. Usually there's a story of like yeah. the fourth year you win the title. You you were right, yeah, lucky right enough. I shouldn't even say lucky. You prepared and prepared your kids well enough to uh, to do it right off the bat. What, what, how were the kids different in the early 90s versus, you, you know, when you were leaving there around 2011? Uh, I don't think there was that much difference. Um, there was – there was a lot of buy-in on their part and another part of their parents and the community. And um, I, I really believe that went in right off the bat, uh, gave me some street cred. And, uh, and oh, so sure. yeah. uh, they were mistaken in assuming that I knew exactly what I was talking about. But I had, <laughs> I had a, at least had them fooled to the point where, you know, they let me do what I uh, thought was right. Um, we would do, we would do mm-hmm. things that were pretty unprecedented in Ruston, you know, training wise. And, um, you know, they, they'll, they'll go back and tell you those kids that were involved in that, that early part. Um, you know, we trained on Christmas day, we trained on new year's, we trained on Halloween, we trained on the 4th mm. of July. There, there weren't many days off. Uh, they came in right. and did, uh, circuit training, uh, during the lunch hours. Um, you know, just, huh. you know, building a culture, I think was the biggest thing. And then mm-hmm. that culture perpetuated itself over the next, you know, however many years. So 
you know, when you have, when you have that working in your favor, you don't get much blowback on now. Now, now you, he says you got to show up at time trial Friday night at eight o'clock. <laughs> so, you know, they just understood right. Coach Anderson said, you know. Right, right. Yeah, it definitely helps winning right off the bat. For, for some reason, what do they say? Yeah. Winning cures all, uh, whether that's a, the yeah. right or wrong thing, because uh, there's plenty of coaches who may not have won a state championship that uh, definitely know what they're doing and should be listened to by their uh, athletes and, and parents and vice versa. There's plenty of coaches who have won state championships that, you know, should yeah. not have been listened to. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's, it's interesting how much weight we put into to winning. Um, and so 20 years, that's a long time to put in at one school in one program uh, and, and did, you know, really well. What led you to leave there uh, and where did you go? Uh, I don't know that there was any one thing that led me to leave. Um, opportunity, I guess, for one thing. Uh, I'm living here mm-hmm. in beautiful northwest Arkansas uh, amongst the foothills of the Ozarks. Uh, I was offered, offered a mm-hmm. job to be an assistant coach for the first time in my career. I'd always been a head coach. Yeah. So basically um, you don't have to do all all the, all the stuff that head coach uh, has to deal with. You just, you get to coach in the afternoon, you know? So that was the beauty of it to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, just, just like, like a lot of other things in life, opportunity knocks and either, either answer the call or Mm -hmm. you keep doing what you're doing. I would have been, I probably would still be at Rustin coaching right now, if not for this opportunity. So. And so from Rustin, yeah, I coached to at Bentonville, Bentonville High School, uh, which was the only school in Bentonville at the time. Uh, coached at Bentonville High School for mm-hmm. four years, and then they uh, split and they opened up the new high school West um, in 2016. Mm-hmm. And I was I was asked, informed, told, ordered by the athletic director, <laughs> "Hey, we need somebody to go out and build that program at the new high school." And you're, you're the dude I want you to do it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we've been open for four years now, and uh, the second year, the second year we were open, uh, we were state runners up in the indoor indoor championship in the boy on the boys side. Done some really cool things. Um, had I have a kid right now that's a sophomore at the University of Arkansas, quarter miler, state champion for me. That runs on the runs mm-hmm. on the Razorback four by four, um, which is pretty cool to see. You know, one of your former athletes compete in that program. Yeah. So uh, yeah, some really some really good Absolutely. things. We just had a girl sign with Oklahoma. Had some other kids sign with some, some D two, D three schools. Uh that's, it's just been mm-hmm. fun, you know, watching watching that part of the program grow too. And through thirty nine years and you mentioned really late in your career was the first time yeah. you became an assistant coach. Uh, any administration work during this time, no. any athletic director or oversight of other sports no, or just all, all coaching. coaching? A couple, couple of offers, but it just, you know, didn't, didn't ever have that, uh, that warm fuzzy feeling to it. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, some people are plumbers, some are electricians, some are coaches. I just feel like uh, coaching is my calling. <laughs> so uh, I just kind of stuck with what I thought was my strength, you know? Ever delved into going back into coaching any basketball? No, no. I I love basketball. I'm disappointed we're not going to get to watch March, right. March Madness. But, uh, I know. But, uh, no, just uh, I've coached some other things: soccer, football. Um, you know, coach coached a lot of other stuff. But you know, when you, I mean, track is my passion. So um, you know, I just I just uh, through, through the evolution of my. Uh, my coaching uh, it's just always been, you know, the number one priority as far as the coaching realm. All right. Yeah. It's definitely evident your passion for coaching. That's, that's for sure. What, uh, so in 39 years, something that is relatively new, even though, you know, a younger coach would think this is what life has been since they were born. Uh, but the advent of uh, cell phones and social media has come across uh, with, um, you know, again, I'm unfairly say young people, but yeah. through all of us, we're talking on cell phones no right now for crying out loud, using an, using a social media yeah. app to record this podcast. So uh, we're guilty as charged. Uh, how has that changed coaching on the high school level when every kid has a cell phone, every kid has social, every kid has access to quote unquote everything at any moment uh, at their life? How's that changed what you've done in coaching uh, if at all. Well, um, I've come to learn over the last however many years that kids are more visual learners. 
I, I may have been a visual learner myself whenever I was being taught, but you know, I didn't have that resource or that opportunity. And it, it, when I came to the realization that if I tell them, they'll understand on a certain level, but if I show it to them, somehow it appeals to them on a different level. I try to use that resource as much as I can. Um, uh, during, during practice, you know, we'll use the iPad and I'll call them over, come take a look at this. Here's the two or three benchmarks I want you to, to view, uh, see if it's there. If it's not, tell me what we're going to do to fix it. Um, and then, you know, with, with uh, YouTube and all the other resources that are, that are out there, I, I, I'm not afraid to recommend to them, hey, go look at this style over here. Go look at this way over here and, and look at it, see, what's, see what you think is good. But my point in doing that is not necessarily to see what's different, but in order to point out the commonalities in what I'm saying and what maybe, maybe what another uh. coach might be saying. So he may be speaking Portuguese and I may be speak, speaking Hungarian, but we're really saying the same thing. <laughs> All right. More like a proof of concept type of coaching or yeah. tool. And so, um, mm -hmm. you know, if you want to get their attention, you've got to be able to steer them in that direction because they're going to use those resources, whether you, uh, want them to or not, if you could just direct that attention to the proper, at least in the proper direction anyway, um, you know, then you have a chance to accentuate, you know, the, the type of program that you're trying to teach. Uh, not that it's perfect, but at least you're creating a template for them to look at and say, yeah, we do this and they do that. We do that and they do this. So, um, like I say, mm -hmm. look, looking for the commonalities in, in successful programs and seeing if what we're doing is used in you know, some of the more successful programs. So I hear you saying, instead of being afraid of the, the new technologies, whether that's a cell phone or an app um, or demonizing them, you try to find ways to add it to your toolbox uh, and use it for your coaching, for, for your, the greater good of your program. Oh, there's no doubt. Doing. And let's face it, in the end, it's about athletic development, right? It's not about how much I know or how much they know. It's about how much we mm. understand one another. Um, because th that communication out of practice has to be a two-way street. I can say you're doing this with your hands in a pole vault, and if they don't feel what they're doing, um, then I can't make a, an error, a correction on the error. If, if I ask them what they're feeling, and then I can get them to understand that what they're feeling looks like what I've got represented here on the iPad, the chances of making a, a, a change um, are greater. So. That's interesting. How has uh, social media with kids, is that, uh, you know, are they, have you had negative experiences with them on social media? Are you on social media or do you just yeah. let that be no, them? I am. And you, no, I let... am. You know, I follow, uh, I follow a lot on, on social media. Um, you know, I think mm -hmm. it's important in this, in this day and age to accept the fact that they're going to look at it whether you want them to or not. Uh, and then, you know, <laughs> like right. I say, just steering them in a direction that could help them uh, beneficially rather than, um, you know, just letting them find stuff out on their own and, and, and through trial and error, figuring out, you know, hey, I probably shouldn't be doing this stuff. So, And we forget that trial and error includes a lot error. Of error yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on both parts, on the my part. That's in right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so we're talking, you know, the... Um, 14, 13, sometimes younger, you're working with middle schoolers, up to 18, 19 year olds. What about the uh, what the changes you've seen in people 25 to 45? And what I'm talking about here are college coaches. So you have, you mentioned some of the great programs from D3 all the way up to Division One that you've had athletes attend. Uh, how have you seen college coaches maybe change in the last 20, 30 39 years you've been working in the high school level? Well, my first observation is they're getting a lot younger. Uh, <laughs> are they, they getting younger or I'm are you getting say, older, Dave? I'm going to say they're getting a lot younger. And, there it is. And, uh, <laughs> and, and the, generation, the generation gap keeps growing. Uh, but, but at the same time, I see, I see many, like, like I told you, I went to Loyola for that uh, at UFTFCCA school. Mm -hmm. I was the oldest in the group by probably about 30 years. And um, everybody in the room um, was either a former uh, multi-athlete, 
because I took the, the multi-event course. They were either a oh, right. deck, mm-hmm. and um, I had I've never coached a heifer a deck. I took the course to, you know, mm-hmm. expand my horizons. But I learned so much uh, just being around those kids. I'm gonna call them kids. Um, because, <laughs> you, you've earned that <laughs> because I heard the same conversations among them that my my contemporaries and I had you know years before so that that, that uh, same level of passion that same you know wanting to to do this because it's going to be good for your athletes and uh you know just just grow as an individual and a coach so um I, I just I just think that track and field you know maybe one of the few sports in the world that um the purity uh, of that has been preserved um and uh, you know that the coaches the older coaches that are passing things down to this generation have done a really good job of of pouring into them and and getting them to understand you know just the the obligation you have to not only learning for yourself but uh you know to make your the number one the number one priority should be development so mm-hmm. how do you reconcile the coaches that poured into you at a young coaching career age and even still to this day because you st- still attend classes and and uh and work to expand your knowledge how do you reconcile that with how you reach out or are um reach a bull for younger coaches to talk with you and ask you questions oh, there's no doubt um i have a i have a young business partner ethan sandusky who's currently the jumps coach at tulane university who is a bentonville high grad went to Arkansas state. Uh, I had the pleasure of kind of helping him out over the weekends and the holidays when he was home. And um, one of the very first things that I tried to get Ethan to understand whenever he became uh, a volunteer assistant coach for me was creating a network of people that you could call on. He calls it the Louisiana mafia because it some because at, one, at some point in time, you know, the, the, the question comes up. Well, now, where is he from? Well, he's from Louisiana. So you got guys like you know, Mike Corn and Boo and Dan Papp and, yeah, and, and all, all these yeah. guys. Yeah. So um, yeah. it's uh, it's a, it's about creating a network, uh, I, I think, um, and I believe. Um, and uh, fortunate that, you know, I'm, I've been involved in not only Coaches Ed, but uh, through opportunities from other people, been asked to speak in a clinic setting. Uh, I think in the last eight years, I've done like 12 states. Most recent, most recently, California wow. and Kansas, uh, as far north mm-hmm. as Maine, uh, San Antonio, you know, just dotted all over the map. Uh, what, what do you typically speak on when you speak uh, at these tracking clinics? <laughs> Pretty much. Anything no, specific? Really, really. In fact, just... I kind of leave it up to them. Uh, when I went to when I went to Florida uh, two winters ago, um, they asked me. Well, first it was, "Can you do two two uh, two one hour long sessions on this that?" I said, yeah, I can do that. About three days later, I get a phone call. Well, we got a couple more openings. Can you do? It? Ended up being six. Six. <laughs> and, and it, Holy it cow! From pole vault <laughs> to uh, building athleticism and distance runners to. Uh, <laughs> Uh, periodization you know teaching periodization to you know the layman um yeah you you name it just just like i say just fortunate to be a track coach not just a distance coach or a a pole vault coach but uh, you know a track coach so um yeah just a sundry various and sundry topics (laughs) i like that i like that you mentioned uh periodization the thing i think i learned the most from boo uh, was the training theory yeah. aspect of it kind of really another name for periodization. And um, when, uh, when I would speak at high school clinics and they'd ask me what I wanted to speak on, I would almost invariably pick yeah. training theory because then I could speak to that distance coach, that pole vault coach, shot put coach. You know, I could hit more of the events instead of just no the hurdles coach or the sprints coach, which was more of my, my background. And, and now I find myself with a passion to talk less about how to make your kid jump further or higher or run faster or further. 
uh, more about now the coach as a person, uh, as it relates to their financial health their mental health relationship health. I just see more and more as we're getting wrapped up into this title of coach, we forget that we are more important titles are husband, wife, father, son, uh, mother, daughter, (laughs) you know, there's a, things that are a little bit more important and and maybe in today, literally today's world, uh, maybe this is the time to maybe fall back on that and uh, get some priorities straight. Uh, And so with that, that is my segment. (laughs) I'm I'm not real good at uh, segues, but that's my segue to what we're dealing with today uh, in March of 2020. And everybody's program, everybody's season has been cut, at least cut short. Um, I was in the thick of it with the colleges. I was at the indoor national championships uh, where we provide all the equipment. And of course the meets get canceled. uh, And now the outdoor NCAA championships have been canceled. What has the effect been on the high school level? Uh, And maybe you can only specifically speak to Arkansas, but this would give us a good temperature maybe on the rest of the country as well. What's it, what's the fallout been in Arkansas for high school seniors and actually all of them, not just the seniors. They may be, there is no fifth year for a senior, yeah. right? Unless yeah. you're doing something wrong. Um, what's the, what's it been like for as a high school track coach with all yeah, of I this stuff going on? I can tell you there's a lot of disappointed people out there. Um, and I, I think I alluded to that earlier in our conversations. I'm getting text messages from kids wanting to know, coach, when can we jump again? And, I've got a, I've got a senior mm. quarter miler that would like to follow his former teammate to the University of Arkansas, and he doesn't quite have the time, you know, to hit to uh, to be able to walk on, and he's worried, uh-huh. you know, he's not going to be able to make the team. He doesn't have the time, and we're trying to come up with some sort of a plan B, but at the same time, you know, uh, the crisis being what it is, you've got as far as the health part of it, you've got to be really safe in how you advise somebody. Um, you know, just, hey, go work out and do this. That, you know, I could give them the workouts, but are you going to be able to do that in an environment that's safe and conducive to your overall development? Mm-hmm. And it's just so scary at this point in time um, that, you know, every, everybody's just got to be careful. And, you know, uh, you, know you, you hear people in the media and you read about, you know, this, this too shall pass. Well, you t- tell a 15-year-old that. Tell a 16-year-old right, that. Yeah. You know, they, they can see to the end of the week, maybe like to the end of the season. Maybe uh, right. <laughs> they can't, they, you know, they can't yeah. quite fathom that. Um, and so, um, you know, you you implore them to use patience. And of course, you know, we have parents that rely on us as coaches to give them proper guidance. Uh, I, I can tell you that, mm-hmm. that millions of times I've gotten phone calls from parents asking me to speak to their uh, teenage. Um, child about simple things like can you get them to clean their room uh can you get them to clean out the back of the <laughs> oh, car man. it's a mess and for some reason or another mm-hmm. we as coaches have the uh, we, we can call it power influence whatever you want to call it over adolescence it has nothing to do with the par- parenting being bad it's just an adolescent kid would rather listen to a coach make a suggestion on what to do than they would their right. parents and uh we have been charged blessed however you want to look at it with that duty and um you know in this trying time it's it's extremely difficult to advise on what exactly to do uh, maybe in another 14 days when the clouds clear you know we could make some some more uh informed suggestions but right now you know it's like i really really just need you to just hold your hold your water right now just hold your horses what is the current state of Arkansas track and field and even specifically Bentonville West yeah. track and field? Are you guys no, all staying home? No, no official no, practice. What's no, going state on? of Arkansas through the uh, Arkansas activities association has imposed a two week dead period. You can't have individual workouts. You're not supposed to have any contact with them. Um, of course it's hard when a kid texts you, you know, not to respond. Uh, but you, Oh, so they want you to yeah, have no not, contact at all. I can see not having a well, face-to-face practice, but yeah, they don't they even don't want you. They don't want you sending out suggested workouts, um, plans, uh, okay. or whatever. So we're in, a, we're in an imposed two-week mm-hmm. dead period, everything on hold through March the 31st. Um, and then, you know, like I say, when 14 days passes, uh, we they may come up with some different parameters of what we can and cannot do. But right now, 
it's pretty much uh, hands off. Just, just, you know, everybody's let this time pass. So it's frustrating. Are they on spring? Are they on spring break right now? And you're going to do remote classes on the next week or no classes at yeah, all? No, this has weeks. been a digital learning week for us. Uh, spring break starts okay. uh, after this week. So, so we've been oh, monitoring okay. um, classes online. Um, and then uh, starting next week, they'll be out, uh, out for spring break. Who, who knows, you know, what, what that entails. Uh, tradi- traditionally here mm-hmm. in Northwest Arkansas, excuse me, um, kids take off and they go skiing and they go on cruises and they travel overseas. Mm-hmm. Uh, might take on a little different picture this, this go around. Um, and right. we have such a diverse um, in, in community here in Northwest Arkansas due to the, the corporate structure. We have people from all over the world that are here in, in Northwest Arkansas and Bentonville. Oh, yeah, you're home yeah, of Walmart, Walmart and, right? Yep, oh, yep. And right. so uh, little, little known fact to a lot of people, to me, when I moved here eight years ago, is uh, there's a corporate uh, rule or law or whatever you want to call it is if you're going to have uh, you're going to sell an item in Walmart, you got to have a, an office here in northwest Arkansas. So our community is full of people that are vendors that supply Walmart. And then you have huh. all of the support um you know, the truck drivers and the, you know, the, the other mm-hmm, supportive industry right. uh, that go along with, we're, you know, we, it's a unique, uh, unique community and environment in Northwest Arkansas due to that influence. Um, so, uh, and travel has just been abundant in the past, but you just don't, you just don't right. know with this, these latest restrictions, you know, what's going to take place during spring break and, and uh, how that's going to be different coming back. So everything school-wise is on hold until the end of March, and then they'll either reevaluate then or, as I've come to know and everybody else, I think, is it feels like every five minutes something changes. So uh, it could be we could get off this phone call, and five minutes later they could call you and tell you no school till the end of April. Yeah, I just learned this morning that Kansas canceled all uh, classroom learning through the end of year. I saw and, that. Uh, you know, I text Lyles this morning. He's like, yeah. yep. It's all going to be digital learning through the end of the year. So track season, as we know it, is done. So um, that can happen here in Arkansas, too. So what do you do? Right. So what do you do now? It's two weeks. So let's let's hope and pray that it's only two weeks. But so what do you do as a track and field coach there who now has his afternoons opened up and, and weekends opened up? What are you doing to pass the time or are you just twiddling your thumb? I don't think a guy like you twiddles his thumbs very much. So uh, what, what are you doing yeah, during this time? Made- I made a trip to the recycling center this morning. Uh, my, uh, <laughs> truth be known, I'm probably driving my wife crazy because I can't sit still. Um, <laughs> lot, lots of FaceTime with the grandkids just outside of Baton Rouge. Uh, Good. You know, just look, looking for ways to, uh, to keep myself busy. Uh, I've got a business and I'm trying to do some expansion on that. So I'm speaking with, you know, some potential colleagues on that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, just trying to stay busy, man. Yeah, you're not a guy who rests very well. No, I, I inherited that from my my father. So, I think I think it's just is that right. <laughs> yeah, was dad a no, teacher? No, United States military. And then when he when he retired, he just oh, kind of that's a busy right. Gene, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, good for him. Yeah, I I inherited the busy gene. That's awesome. <laughs> I could I could see that with you absolutely. Well, Dave, I tell you what, uh I think everybody would agree with me. I hope uh at the end of 2 weeks here at the end of March that we're um, getting back to some semblance of normalcy. It'll be super interesting what normal means after this. I, I think we saw after events like 9/11 that there was yeah. a new normal uh, when it came to traveling and TSA and things like that. Uh so I don't know what we'll have as a new normal. Uh, once this does uh, clear up, the good news is there will be a clear up just now. It's just all about the time. Is it yeah. two weeks? Is it two months? Is it two seasons? You know, two, uh, uh, is it end of summer type of thing? So, um, uh, but I do appreciate you spending time with us today. Uh, definitely learned a lot. I love hearing your progression. I uh, love learning new things. 224. What, what could you run? Could uh, you run a marathon? I could today? ride my bike maybe about half that distance. Maybe ah. about half that distance. <laughs> Hey, you are well ahead of me. I can't walk 5K. So (laughs) that's amazing to learn. So Dave, again, thank you so much. Really appreciate you spending some time 
uh, with us here today. Uh, I know that you will have impacted people that get to listen to this and give them, uh, you know, just hope and faith that if they're a high school coach, that they are some, some coaches out there maybe are not so sure that they're adding value to their kids. Uh, so I think it was super valuable for you to talk about the kids that you have coached and how they've gone on to do great things in college, how uh, uh, probably most of them, we, you know, we probably spend a whole hour just talking about your alumni that you've had uh, and the contributions that they've made to society as filmmakers and teachers and uh, business people, men and women. I, I just know that you've made a great impact out there. Uh, and, you know, I think all college coaches would agree that, you know, we, our life bet is high school track and field coaches. So uh can't say thank you enough for for what you do and what you've done and really look forward to uh just more future man you got many many years of coaching so don't uh don't don't start uh filling out those no, retirement we don't papers use just yet our word around my house man <laughs> that's it <laughs> all right Dave, man have a great Mike. day absolutely anytime Hey there, if you've made it this far, thanks for joining us today. Hope you enjoyed connecting with Dave as much as I did. Uh, what a fun, fantastic guy. Uh, I've known him for many years and was still blown away and learned so much new things about him. Uh, and again, great just to connect with the lifeblood of our sport here uh, at, as a coach of the high school level. Uh, just fascinating. Really, really appreciate Dave, Dave's time here. Uh, make sure to describe, to <laughs> subscribe, not to describe, subscribe to the Gill Athletics Connections podcast. That is your best way of knowing when the next episode drops. Uh, we're a little bit of an irregular publishing schedule here, so to not miss who the next uh, guest might be, uh, you'll want to subscribe to whatever podcast player you listen to, whether that's iTunes, I, iTunes podcasts, uh, Apple podcasts, whatever it is. Um, Overcast, Spotify, etc. Uh, but definitely want to subscribe so you get notified. And if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, uh, have them contact me at H-U-R-D-L-E at gillathletics.com. That's right, folks. That's hurdle at gillathletics.com. That'll come straight to me. In the meantime, hope you feel led to share this podcast on your social media network of choice. Help spread the word so others can enjoy this and the many other coaches and uh, track and field personnel we have here on the Gill Athletics Connections podcast. And join us next time when we once again connect you with another great track and field coach.